Hello and welcome to episode 474 of Fergie on the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. Join me as always is a glorious League Freak. You can also find me on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? I'm going pretty well, Andrew. It's been a good few days. Um, there's not been too much happening in Rugby League, and yet everyone has lost their fucking minds. It's amazing, isn't it? Mm. Mm. The, the ability for the mainstream media to find something to complain about that doesn't rely on them having to watch the game, mm-hmm. it is it is an unbelievable skill. Yeah, it really is. And, uh, you know, we've got a pretty unpredictable competition this year. No one's running away with the competition, which is a bit different to what we've seen in the last couple of years. And yet we need to change everything because fucking Newcastle lost a game. Can you believe Newcastle lost a game in rugby league? Yes. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> but there was a really good reason for it. Um, Jerome Luai has hair. Um, yeah, look, there's, we're looking at hair. Yep. Um, sin binnings. Yes. And yeah, Newcastle lost a game. Yeah, and we need to change Golden Point. Uh, yeah, as, yeah. Al- as always, the creative minds always look at the NFL and say, well, that's better. I yeah. don't know why. Um, yeah. And then we need to change how many competition points teams get and make some games more valuable than other games. But we're going to get to all of that. Well, I'm happy to start right on that because uh, old mate Buzz, mm-hmm. he's, he's coming out and, okay, let's... On NRL 360, apparently, all I've seen is a screenshot, and it's got mm-hmm. Buzz's big idea or something like that on there. Mm. By the way, do you have your best ideas when you're about 12 schooners deep and it's 2.30 in the afternoon and you've got to get well, home for Matlock? <laughs> I mean, it's either that or it's, you know, three quarters of the way through a big dump. Just get that relief <laughs> rushing to your head and all the, the ideas just come flowing. You've, you've released the blockage, so to speak. Yeah, you do it differently than I do, but anyway. Yeah, there you go. Um, so it's so first things first, it's, it's called Buzz's Big Idea. The problem yep. is lots of people have had exactly the same idea for quite a long time prior to Buzz. Yep. And I've seen them on Twitter, and it's not just other journalists or prominent people. It's lots of random fans, lots of them. Mm-hmm. And it's I've seen this big idea. Straight, it's, too, hey. it's too fucking stupid to have an idea, let alone a big one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've seen you set all of these people straight by, like, redoing the ladder with these dumb-as-fuck point systems that these people haven't thought out. I did, I'd, look... One thing that I did, okay, was, and this is going back, when people started going on about this, and it was in 2000, oh, 2018, it might have been. Um, and so I thought, you know what? The argument then was we should just get rid of Golden Point and go back to having draws. Mm-hmm. So I went, you know, I wasn't making a point a, a point either way out of this. I just went, how much would this have impacted the competition? Yeah. And I went through and checked all the ladders and stuff, and there was there were some changes, but this this current system, where um, a win gets four points instead of two, that's a regular a regular time wins. A golden point win only gets you three points, and a golden point loss gets you one point. 
mm-hmm. a draw is worth two points. Um, I don't see how that's different to the current system where a win gets you two points, a draw is one point. Because you think about it, a golden point win gives you one point less than a regular time win, which is what a draw is. A draw is one point less than a regular win. And how about this? What, like a team that actually loses a game in golden point could move past another team. That's exactly the other issue you've got here is the team who wins. If you go and read just all the ladders, okay, which I'd been doing, Mm-hmm. until I realised there was a very significant trend here with what I'd done four or five years ago. Mm-hmm. And that is, all you're doing is you're taking a point away from the team who won a golden point and you're giving it to the team who lost. Now, I'd like to know how they think this is a good idea because what's happened is the team that's lost in golden point, they've managed to not only not win the game in regular time, they've also not managed to win the game with an extra 10 minutes of play. They've yeah, failed it- to win the game twice. Why do they yeah. deserve a point? And if you're able to go the extra mile and win a game in golden point, why should you get less points than you would have if you had won it in 80 minutes? Like exactly you, right. You, you did something extra in yeah. this match that the other team couldn't. So all this did, and it's the same as just scrapping golden point and just going back to having draws. All it did is it meant that all the teams that won in golden point all lost a point on the ladder, and all the teams that lost in golden point all gained a point, which is exactly the same what happens if you took all the wins off the team that won in golden point and gave them a draw. And you took all the losses off people who didn't score any competition points and you gave them one point for getting a a draw. It's exactly the same thing. And I know people will say, well, you know, you get more points for a regular win, though. And I go, yeah, you do. But when you're dealing with just one point here or there, it's it's not making any difference to the ladders. It does it makes very very minimal change. Um, How about the fact that you could get to a point in the, the season, right, where the top, a place in the top eight is decided, and it is decided on you've got the same number of wins and losses as an opposition team, but they lost a couple of times in Golden Point, which gave them a couple of extra points, and that puts them into the top eight. Look, it makes no sense. There was it's a few here. Okay, so I'll go through it, okay? The ones that I've done, I only went up to 2018 um, at the time, and I figured I'm not going to bother going any further. The point was made thoroughly. Um, in 2003, there were four draws, so four golden point games. It didn't change the ladder anyway if I used um, the current scoring system that Buzz wanted or if I just took away golden point and just had draws there. It mm-hmm. made... You've got exactly the same ladder. 2004, there were nine draws. Canberra moved from eighth down to ninth, and the Tigers moved from ninth up to eighth. Mm-hmm. That happened on both both the systems, like the, the draw system, the buzz system. And let me say, every single one of these was identical all the way through. Uh, 2005, there were two games. Manly moved from eighth to seventh. Cronulla moved from seventh to eighth. Whoopee. 2006, seven draws. It meant that the Dragons moved from 6th up to 3rd. Brisbane, Newcastle, and Manly all moved down a spot to accommodate them. Parramatta moved from 8th to 7th. The Cowboys moved from 8th to 9th. Canberra went from 7th to 9th. Um, 
the Tigers went from 11th to 10th, and the Warriors went from 10th to 11th. A lot of moving around on there. Um, but Canberra were the only ones. Was it Canberra? Yeah, Canberra were the ones that got lucked out because they dropped out of the eighth, even though they were seventh. 2007, there were nine games. It saw the Tigers move from ninth into eighth again, and the Broncos out of the top eight into ninth. Cronulla moved up one. These are the teams in the bottom half. Cronulla moved up one. Titans moved up one. The Roosters dropped down two. Uh, 2008, there were eight games. Manly went from second to minor premiers. Manly, uh, Melbourne dropped down to second. Dragons and Canberra both switched in sixth and seventh. Dragons went up. Um, and uh, Titans and Penrith switched positions. Penrith were 12th. They went to 13th and vice versa. Uh, 2009, five draws. Roosters and the Sharks traded positions so that Sharks went from being second last to the Wooden Spooners. Uh, 2010, five draws. The Tigers moved from third to second, switching with Penrith. The Warriors moved from fourth to fifth. The Roosters from sixth to fifth, and the Titans dropped from fourth down to sixth. Uh, 2011, nine draws. You've seen a trend here. It's, it's, yeah. All you're seeing is a few teams that are moving one position with the team yeah. next to them. Yeah. Um, that's kind of it. And it's usually it's, – it's teams that are close together. Um, and this just goes on the whole way through. I had a, a thing in the end which was um, Golden Point robbed the Tigers of the final spot in 04, the Cowboys in 06, the Tigers again in 07, Manly a minor premiership in 2008, Cronulla of the Spoon in 2009, um, South the minor premiership in 2013, Manly the minor premiership in 2014, the Dragons the final spot in 2017, and the Sharks the minor premiership in 2018. And but, in those seasons, you never heard anybody saying, oh, this whole thing's been unfair. We should have no changed. One. We should be somewhere different like we keep hearing today because Newcastle no. lost a game. Well, as simple as this. Do you genuinely think um, the Tigers deserve to be in the finals? In... No, no, no. The answer is <laughs> no. I think they replaced <laughs> Brisbane one year. Yeah, yeah, 2007. Were the no. 2007 Tigers team a better team than the Broncos? No. No, they weren't. The thing that gets me is that, like, it's a very simple system we've got now. It's two points for a win, one point for a draw to each team, and no points if you lose the match. And I like Golden Point because it is ruthless. I don't like watching a drawn game. It just it doesn't do it for me. I like to see one team win and one team lose. I really like that. Um, I understand why some people don't like Golden Point. And it, the, the weird argument is when you see people going, oh, it's just for TV because it's more entertaining. It's like, yeah. What's yeah. wrong with the game being entertaining? I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I don't mind Golden Point. The thing with the point system is it's been perfectly fine and no one's complained about it since 1908 when it first began. Yep. It doesn't need to change just because some dumb old cunt thinks it needs to. Yep. It's perfectly fine. Yep. Um, the problem, the only problem I get with Golden Point is, and the only genuine problem that people have with it that I accept is they don't like when it just becomes a field goal shoot-a-thon. Mm-hmm. And so this is where you get the really stupid fucking idea that comes from the Johns section of the media, and that is, let's have golden try. Yeah. No, let's just have extra time, right? The one thing I don't like is just having one scoring act 
is enough to settle the game. Because if that happens on the first set, the opposition team that was defending the first set have lost because they lost a coin toss. That's not right. So I'm more open to the idea of, you know what, let's just have 10 minutes extra. Here's the thing. 10 minutes, one go. Don't don't just do five minutes and then change sides. Just 10 minutes, bam. One team gets to pick what way they run. The other one gets to kick off. And then we just go 10 minutes. And whatever the score line is at the end of that 10 minutes, bam, that's it. So you can kick a field goal if you want. You can score a try if you want. The game continues. And so you get rid of all of this drama about field goal-a-thon or it's an unfair thing because an opposite side didn't get a chance to try and score back. You just get an extra 10 minutes, bam, done. Sort it out that way. If it's still a draw, it's just like it is now. You, you still get a point each. And nothing else changes. I saw massive confusion about the Panthers versus Newcastle golden point period. And I actually saw there were a lot of people that thought that Penrith won the coin toss and then got to choose which way they ran and also got to choose that they received the ball. And that's not what happened. You know, if you win the coin toss in, in golden point, you generally choose to kick off so that you put the ball in the, the right side of the field and you back your defence, yeah. and you make the opposition go at the very least seventy metres if they're going to have a shot. You know, if they're going to have a good shot. That's right. Now, now in the game between Newcastle and Penrith, Penrith received the ball, uh, and they put they, they it was a clinic. They put on a clinical six tackles. Newcastle couldn't stop them. They let I mean, the last run in that set of six. I can't remember which player it was for Penrith, but he must have ran for 18 metres right up the guts of the, the Newcastle defence. So that when Nathan Cleary kicks the field goal, it's just, it was clinical. It was about yeah. as, it was like a training run. Um, And then all the whinging began because I, I don't know what people want. Like Newcastle... Haven't, haven't, you, haven't you figured out yet, man? They want Penrith to lose. And here's, here's the important part of people and what they want. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> because if Newcastle didn't want to lose the game, how about you don't let Penrith walk 70 metres up the field and do it easily and do it on the first set, game over, you're at home and you lose. And I just don't I don't care about the whinging. You know, teams that whinge about losing in Golden Point because this, that, and the other, they're teams that get results like Newcastle. Yeah, that's right. And look, let's be honest. It's not like they didn't have a little time before Golden Point to try and get this game won. They were up 14-6 to six at half time. Mm-hmm. They played really well in the first half for Newcastle. Penrith didn't <laughs> play great. Um, Penrith didn't play great in the second half. Newcastle were terrible in the second half. And then in Golden Point, they were just not in opposition at all. Um, you know, they were of no consequence. When you're of no consequence in Golden Point extra time, you don't deserve anything. You don't deserve a point. You don't deserve half a point. You don't deserve a pat on the back. You don't deserve a, a silver trophy. You deserve jack shit, especially when after the game, your big complaint is that Jerome Luai has long hair. Like... How about, and, and this isn't about Newcastle fans. I feel sorry for Newcastle fans. I've said that before on the podcast. But for all those people within the Newcastle club that are chucking the hardest 
fucking Canberra Raiders, they can. I don't give a fuck how they feel. No one cares. So shut the fuck up. Look towards next week. Because this wasn't a big game for Penrith. This is one of those games like, oh, yeah, we've got two points. See you later. Who, who gives a shit? This isn't a big fucking moment in the season. Newcastle lost in Golden Point. Who gives a shit? Let's not change the entire game. Let's not change the fucking points table that has been in place since early in the last century because Newcastle can't win a fucking Golden Point game at home. You can't tell that the Matthew Johns section of the media has a lot of sway over how the media operates. You see the uproar over Newcastle losing a game in Golden Point. You don't hear this when the Tigers lose nearly every single time in Golden Point. Doesn't happen. When the Knights lose in Golden Point. You know what no one's saying about Newcastle? Is that they've got one player who just nails a field goal for them. right? And you're like, wow, they need to get the ball to him. And then fucking Hastings gets the next shot. And he barely gets it off the ground. They had a chance to win that game and he blew it. And yeah. then they blew it again in golden well, point time. Couldn't stop Sandris. Remember last year when Hastings at the Tigers and the Tigers had those two games in a row that they won in golden point. And on both occasions, Hastings shots at field goal were atrocious and the match winning field goals were kicked by Luke Brooks. Well, that, that's why Luke Brooks. Luke Brooks gets the big money for those field goals. Those field goals cost the West Tigers about 2.5 million bucks each. Look, in the end, it shows the big, big fuck up that the Knights made by signing Hastings instead of Brooks. Yeah. (laughs) It was weird. I saw people saying, oh, Hastings was amazing on the weekend, and I didn't see that. Um, I didn't think there were too many people in the, the game overall that really played all that well. I thought Moses Leota was fantastic for the full 80, but that was about it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I just thought that that game was one. There's one of those weird ones where um, the team that, that won the game played mm. one of their worst games and the team that lost played one of their best. Well, I... I for for a team like Penrith, it's one of those ones where you go, whew, we got the two competition points. Let's just forget about that onto next week. Because it was really clear that Penrith turned up and just thought they were going to walk it in. And Newcastle come out firing. And I, like I was tweeting about it, they deserved their their lead that they built up. And it was it was close to being very, very difficult to run down. But they just gave Penrith just enough enough of a chance and that's all a very good team needs not just Penrith I mean a lot of very good teams in the competition would have run run uh the Knights down but that's the thing about the the really good sides is that they can play like crap and we saw how many times did we see uh Melbourne do it where they were playing like crap but somehow by the end of the game they'd won it and you know you hear a lot that winning is a habit and you know, it's hard to argue with that sometimes when you see a team just refuses to lie down, even when they're playing like crap. And and Penrith, I it, I I feel weird to say that, you know, they they did well to get the win. They should have won by a lot, but you know, two points is two points, and you go into next week or they're playing Souths, and 
you know, I'm sure they're all focused on that rather than looking back and thinking, oh, those precious two points we got against the Newcastle Knights, that'll be make or break. Yeah, this is this is brings me back actually to the whole buzz point scoring system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The little cliches we got, like, um, you know, we needed those two points. How's that going to work when it comes to buzzer system? It's it's either we needed those three slash four points, <laughs> four slash three points, uh, one point. We really needed that one point. It's it's just silly, and I love this thing about some games are worth more points than other games. Well, this is the thing: like, is that people were having the argument where I think. When this whole discussion many years ago started about, you know, points, teams should get points for going into Golden Point. And so the idea was a win should still equal the same number of competition points. Mm. So if you win in Golden Point, you should still get two points. Mm. Or, you know, under buzzer system, you should still get four points. But if you lose in Golden Point, you should still be able to get one point and a draw still be worth, uh, a draw worth two points. So the idea was that and the complaints people made was, well, how come a golden points game automatically has more competition points available? If that's the case, why wouldn't we just have, you know, if, if you get to the golden point part of the game, why try and win it in regular time? But it it, it makes no sense that some games would be worth more or no. less than others. And, and especially that a... A ga- you know, you go out and you win a game in 80 minutes and it's worth, say, two competition points. But then if you, that same game, if it's won in golden point, it's actually worth three competition points all up to both teams combined. That makes no sense. No, and it, it, none, it, none of this whole changing things around makes sense. You can't, you can't change the rules to somehow give everyone participation awards for making it past 80 minutes in a game. It just doesn't work that way. I do have, though, a uniform system that will make everyone in the mainstream media happy. And we fix this up. You you ready for this? I'm ready. Okay. So it's four points for a win in regular time, two points for a draw, regular time. And if we go to golden point, three points for a win, one point for a loss, and if you're Newcastle, you get 10 points no matter what the result. <laughs> Everyone's fucking happy. Everyone can stop complaining then. Yeah, we're happy. We can move on to the next bullshit thing that the, the John's boys want to fucking moan about. You know, and mm. this is where we get onto the um, the fact that they do have some authority and they do um, have some sway over what the media reports on and what they don't. I I think they, I don't think they have any authority at all. I just think that no. we see what they say. Uh, I think, the, I think they've got some sway over what the media says because. Yeah, but what, does the media have sway over anything really? No, no, the media's got no sway. I'm just saying yeah. they've got sway over the media. That's it. So he, they're able to dictate the, what the media talks about because you've never seen them put any, any flame of pressure to Adam O'Brien ever. Mm. And he is, he's God awful as a coach. He's in the Jason Taylor realm of God awfulness. I'm not being facetious. I don't Mm. see what he, what he brings to a football team that Jason Taylor couldn't do. 
He's like a better version of Nathan Brown. Uh. <laughs> this is the thing, though. Nathan Brown can get rid of people. This bloke doesn't seem to know how to get rid of bad players. <laughs> like, he's relying <laughs> on the West Tigers to take him off his hands. He needs a worse club to take him off him. He's that yeah. bad. At least Nathan Brown can get rid of people. <laughs> he, can, he can sack people. He doesn't replace them, but he can sack them. That's right. He, he, does, he can't replace them, but he can sack them. I'd I, I put him, seriously, like, Brown is half a percent better than Adam O'Brien. I don't, I, I honestly don't know that he is. And I'll tell you why, right? Because if you look at, and we've done this together, if if you look at some of the worst losses in the history of the game, Nathan Brown's is the coach of some of those. And you can't say the same thing about Adam O'Brien. Yeah. And I think it's fair to say, well, you know, Nathan Brown was in, in a different situation to Adam O'Brien. It's like, yeah, but Nathan Brown made those situations as well. In his last few seasons at Newcastle, yes, but the first one and a half there, um, that was a situation. That was the a shit situation handed to him. I'll give him that much, but yeah, he he did very little to try and change it. He just went, no, no, we're going to stick with this until we've got the Soda Cup sorted out or whatever bullshit excuse he had, something about Wayne Bennett's cock or something. Um, and then he fucked, remember he quit in like the last week of the season on the Knights? And then he he quit on the, the fucking New Zealand Warriors? We had that weird, remember we had a weird clause? Just if I don't meet my KPIs, then um, the club can. I'm happy to stand down if that's what the club wants, or some weird shit. And it's almost like he was doing everything he could to try and get out of the job. So he's probably going, "Oh yeah, look, if we don't go undefeated throughout the next 17 years, then you know you can set <laughs> me down. <laughs> if we don't win every game by 320 points, um, you can sack me if you need to. I'm I'm a man of integrity." I'm willing how to walk away. They, how <laughs> low were those KPIs? Like, if you have one of the four worst defensive records in the history of the sport, you know. If you can go a week without eating a biscuit, <laughs> <laughs> you're sitting at home going chop, chop, chop. Oh, fuck, I missed it again. <laughs> so strange. I don't know what it was, but yeah, he's... he's uh... How about Adam O'Brien, though, in that press conference, whinging about an opposition player's long hair? Like... That's the, some Ricky Stewart shit right the there. The pettiness of it too. Oh, I should get all my players to have long hair. Going, what sort of childish horse shit is that? Uh, yeah, it really is. Like these are these are fucking grown men, you know. These grown yeah. men that are sitting there pouting about football games they lost. Are pouting about someone having long hair. Yeah, that's even worse. Well, he should cut his hair because it cost us the game. It's like, fuck off, idiot. So <laughs> seriously, it. it it shocks me how childish some fucking adults can be, hey? Yep. You know, my problem is is that now that that excuse is out there, watch watch Potato pick it up. Oh, yeah, everyone's got hair that impacts our team. That's why we don't win. Yes. <laughs> all to do with the hair. Everyone's you know the terrible thing? You know, you know how you know Penrith is arrogant? Because every day since that win over Newcastle, they've all kept growing hair. What a bunch of arrogant pricks. <laughs> oh, man. They just love rubbing it in, don't they? They Can't do, yeah. Can't help themselves. Can't they help do. themselves. With their terrible attitudes that they have by, you know, enjoying being successful footballers. See, terrible. 
Was this a con? Do you reckon this is a plan that Ivan Cleary come up with way back in like was it 2018 mm-hmm. when the Knights last beat Penrith? He's just said one hundred Actually, just have a look on the here now. Seraldo is in charge. It's not even Ivan Cleary's friggin' idea. It's Seraldo. He's the, is he the new architect? He's the new architect. He was up against the Nathan Brown coach night side, and the Knights won 20 to 12, and Serato yeah. said to everyone, guys, grow your hair. Start growing your hair, boys. Yep. We can't make this happen again. We're going. We're changing our tactics now. We're now Operation Terrible Follicle. That's right. <laughs> or Hirsute. <laughs> it's just so strange to me. I... I you know, Ricky Stewart does it every week. Ricky Stewart's never never coached a loss in the NRL, just to ask him. It's always the, been the big, the the big is, bad things against him, you know. Well, let's be honest, though. Ricky Stewart's a pantomime act. He, he's not doing that in all seriousness. He can't be. I think he's, he it's, does. it's a comedy act. No, I honestly think he does. He's doing it for shits and giggles, surely. You can't be going on like this for this long. <laughs> I think... This is a guy who was upset at something that a 12-year-old said. <laughs> you can't tell me like, that's not a comedy act. It's a personality disorder. That's what it is. <laughs> it's like, seriously. I, I just can't believe that people are like that. And that what you find is that this shit normally doesn't happen at successful clubs. And they, there's a reason for that, you know. Because they're you're, focusing on playing rugby league. You're not bitching and moaning about fucking hair or what the kids did as 12-year-olds. Exactly. You know, they've got they've got bigger fish to fry. They they focus on the things that win and lose football games. And I just can't believe that, you know, so quickly you can see a bunch of grown men just descend into – it. they they literally have temp, temper tantrums. It's yeah. amazing. It's fucking amazing. It really is. Now, there was another big news item that came out, I think, yesterday. Mm-hmm. Jack Whiten has decided to retire from rep footy. That's yeah, that was much, a little bit... I was going to say, it seemed like a thing where he's gone, you know what, you can't sack me because I quit. Yeah, well, I I started thinking about my New South Wales team and he wasn't in it. He he wasn't even in consideration for it. No. Um, I'm still a little bit surprised. I mean, you play an Origin game, that's a lot of money um, for an appearance. And you know what the New South Wales selectors are like. I mean, they they make weird selections and they stick by players like Whiten, who, you know, his Origin career has been pretty spotty. Uh, So I was a bit surprised by that. But at the same time, when I see how much money is being talked about in the media for his services and they keep saying the dolphins are really chasing him hard, which I, I'd be surprised if he went to the dolphins. Um, I just, he just doesn't seem like the sort of play that Wayne Bennett would go after. And I fully expect him to re-sign with the Raiders on a ridiculous deal. I'd be shocked if he didn't stay at the Raiders. Now, this is going to sound like a joke. I swear to you though, it's not mm-hmm. one thing that Wayne Bennett does not like is players having shitty haircuts. <laughs> I don't know why, but apparently he's he's got this impression that people come in and they've got these stupider haircuts. They're more focused on 
how they look and not focused enough on how the team's performing. Who's had stupid haircuts, though, in his teams? Jack Whiten. No, no, I'm saying Jack Whiten has has these weird, stupid fucking mullet things that all the players are doing, like... Clear Nathan and yeah Nathan, Nathan Cleary was doing it back in 2020. You know, and they were coming out of ISO and they had that weird thing where they shaved the sides of their heads insanely. I oh, do. I did the same but, thing. Didn't I show you? Didn't I show you my haircut? No, no, no. But oh, thing is, everyone got over it and stopped doing it after six six months. They just let their hair grow back out and they just got normal haircuts again. Except White, and he's decided to keep it. White <laughs> and kept it for a while. Bennett, Bennett won't sign him so long as he's got stupid haircut. Short back and sides will get you a contract at the Dolphins. That's all you need. <laughs> we'll, you need we'll a haircut you can set a watch to. We'll find out. I I just think that, you know, if you're paying a million bucks for Jack White and just chuck everything away, you just don't care. You want a name. And it's not even a fucking winning name. He's played for Canberra. He's not, you know? he's not going to the Dolphins because the Dolphins have players already better than him and younger than him. In the position yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree. They're not going to fuck up their salary cap no. to have him through to his mid-30s. No, no not in the slightest. Um, someone who might, Adam Dewey's been ruled out for 16 months after having his third ACL tear. 16 months? 16 months. Um, I've, I've never heard of an ACL. I think uh, what might have happened is the all three that he's had previously because yeah. they're all on his left knee. Yeah. I think he's gone with the, you know, they've always got two options. That is take the long time off and get it repaired properly or take the short term option, get back on the field a bit sooner and hope that it manages to heal and not get re-injured while it's, you're still playing, which is a big risk. Often, you know, it, it doesn't tend to, go too well. But I think he's probably taken the quick option every time. And now it's got to the point where, mate, this needs to be properly fixed now. We can't we can't let it keep going like this. Sixteen months, I mean like that that means he misses this year and most of, if not all of next year. I mean yeah. if he comes back it'll be for the finals. <laughs> um <laughs> so that's a long time. That's a Man, that's a career. That's a that could be his career. That could be his he's, career. He's currently twenty four, so he does. He's probably going to be close to twenty six when he gets back, obviously. Um, but sixteen months is a long time out of the NRL. A long time. Uh, his, his contract must be coming towards the end too. So. I think uh, they got him on a. Con- I think they put a contract extension for him at the start of this year, if not last really? year. Really? Yeah. yeah. It, that's uh, that's pretty sad. That's it's horrible for Dewey. Months. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially for a guy like him that's at that level where, you know, he's the sort of player that I can see somebody coming into that side taking his position, and and it's like, look, we just don't have a place for you. Yeah, and that's things. Because of the the club's insistence that Luke Brooks is going to work, you know, he's only young, mm. <laughs> um, kind of means that he's sort of having to play the six or fullback or centre, and they're all sort of not positions he's, he should be in, especially when Brooks is a genuine six anyway. 
Dewey's a good talker, so that's why he's okay to handle the seven gig. But they're insisting that they don't want him there. Um, playing him at centre or at fullback, it's just weakening other positions that you know. It's they've they've kind of ruined him by turning him from a a genuine half into a utility player, and utility players don't have much value in the starting thirteen anymore. You're either on the bench or you're not playing at all because you you've got to have a specific skill set now. You can't be versatile like that and and be a back. Utility backs are largely useless in the modern game because the game is so heavily focused on defence. So your only genuine utility players are people like um, Talakai, good example. Big unit can play in the centres. Another one is um, um, Luke Garner. You know, those guys who can play in the forwards and play in the centres, that's the sort of utility guy you want. Big units can play front, up front and out back. Um, your small utility guys, they've they've got less value in a, in the team these days. So you've got to be a, a genuine, you've got to have a genuine role. We sort of kind of saw that too with Tyrone Peachy. He had to bulk up an awful lot to try and fit into that utility forward sort of role. Um, yeah, he had to be able to play in the back row if needed. And yeah. and I think that that's what's maybe holding him back a little bit because I thought he played really well out of dummy half when he was called upon by the Panthers a couple of weeks ago. Um, but I think that they're worried about having him in that role. Um, you know, cause I don't understand what they're doing with their, their hooker rotation. We need a first-grade hooker. I don't know that we've got one at the moment. Especially when you start thinking to yourself, well, is Tyrone Peachy our best option? Um, but he yeah, could, he he could be, I guess, if he if he dropped a few kilos, he could be a little bit quicker off the mark. Not that he's slow. It, yeah, yeah. And look, he's we've talked about what a great football player he is. He you chuck him anywhere basically. But I can also see where the Panthers look at their defensive record and say, you know, we we're basically this is why we've won so much and we can't really mess with it. We can't really carry anyone defensively. Um, and it's just at some point in your forward pack, especially in, in this day and age, it's, you know, about how big a player is and it's physics, you know. Mm. Peachy's not a small dude, but the NRL forward packs at the moment are just the land of the giants. and They, they really are. Yeah, so it's it's just difficult for him. And I think by the end of the season, he'll have found a way onto that bench. I think that his talent just will get him there. But um, it's interesting that it, it's not been automatic. Yeah, well, I think, though, having having moved around to two different clubs and moved around in different positions and stuff in that time since leaving Penrith the first time around, um, that's done more harm than good for him. Yeah, he never yeah, had a yeah. defined position when he left the Panthers, and um, was pretty much picked up as a marquee player at the Titans and at the Tigers, but with no specific role handed to him. Yeah, did they didn't have a plan? They just were, and I get that at some point you've just got to get talent to your club, um, but with a player like him, you would hope that there's a plan in place, and and there just wasn't at either of those clubs, unfortunately. Yeah, and neither of them were willing to persevere with him and stick with him in a, in a set position. As soon as he mm-hmm. looked like he had one or two poor games, put him in a different position and put him in a different position and drop him and put him on the bench and then move him around and go, what chances has he got? 
Yeah. You know, and so, yeah. Um, I reckon he could make it as a hooker. He, he would have to drop a few kilos, not much, but he's got the skill set, absolutely. He's got the line speed. He's got the defensive capabilities. That could definitely happen there. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, um, Adam Dewey, I'm not sure what, what they're going to do with him there, man. It's uh, it's sad for him because he, he busts his ass every week. He, he may have good and bad games and whatnot, but you cannot ever say that he's not trying his ass off. I, I haven't seen too many blokes who bust their ass for that club as much as he does. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, they have they now have no half at the the West Tigers. So that's, that's some pretty impressive shit that they've got going there. It's going to be really interesting to see how that works out for them for the next year and a half. They're going to have to target someone. They're going to have to get someone in. I don't know if they've got a junior that will maybe be able to come up and and fill that void. But, but you know, Dane Laurie is there. I've always thought that his more natural position is actually at 5'8", whether they'll try that or not. There's a lot of talk that he's on the outer at the club for whatever reason. But... Um, because Sheens know. is an egotistical wanker, and he he's petty as fuck. So if a player doesn't do what he wants, instead of him trying to work with them or find out what would work for them, to what's best for the team, he becomes petty as fuck, and he just drops them. He's a dickhead. He's been like this all his bloody career. <laughs> oh, it's Apart from that, he's, he's a pretty good coach. Well, that and... Yeah. We're not going to go on the West Tigers bashing thing. No. Now it's, We've done it's, that. Yeah, exactly. Now it's Anzac Round coming up. We touched on it a little bit uh, a couple of weeks ago now. Um, yep. You and I both believe that it's we don't really like these Anzac jerseys that they put together. And that's uh, like if, if there was a thing that said no football on Anzac Day, I'd be pretty happy with that. Um, I, I think it's the most special day in Australia. And, you know, it's not a mark and an opportunity for, for sport. No, I fully agree. Um, you know, one of the worst things about those Anzac jumpers is that they still allow the clubs to put all that sponsoring on them. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're going to have a jumper that is honouring, legitimately honouring soldiers or is going to legitimately honour um, the Indigenous people, don't have a big fucking corporate sponsor advert thing over the top of it because your message is completely lost. Or maybe, yeah. No, it's completely lost. We know what you're trying to do is just sell a jumper. There's nothing, there's no integrity behind it whatsoever. Now, I do want to say something about this whole Anzac Day because I've seen a few people talking about how it's tradition. Um. It's only really been tradition that we play games on the Anzac Day on a regular basis since 2002. We didn't play in 2001. We played them in 1998 to 2000. Um, there was, a, I think, 96, 94. There was a, a whole round played on Anzac Day in 1993. Mm-hmm. But that was because on... Uh, in 1993, that whole round was Anzac Day was on a Sunday, and most of the games used to be played on the weekends back then. Yeah. Um, but it's not really been a a thing where we intentionally put games on Anzac Day or go out of our way to play games on Anzac Day. So if it's not on a weekend, 
then we just skip it and we treat it like a normal day. But this whole, nope, we must play games on the exact day. Um, I, I don't know. I, it doesn't it doesn't feel like the right thing to do. Yeah. And the worst part, I know I mentioned it last time around, the worst part is when they come out and they play the last post at every fucking game. Yeah. And at every game that's not on Anzac Day. That's a... That's a very moving piece of music that um, it signifies something pretty powerful. And to have it being played ad nauseum for, was it going to be five days? Mm. You, you're killing it. You're killing the, the gravitas of it and the meaning of it, the purpose of it. It's been completely lost. Um, it's, yeah, Anzac it's Day is Anzac Day. It's, it's not Thursday. You know, it's yeah. not Friday night. Anzac Day is Anzac Day, and it's not a theme round. It's not a marketing opportunity. It's Anzac no. Day. What and we're doing to it is disrespecting it. Yeah. 100% disrespecting it. Um, I'd be more than that. And look, this year's perfect example. Anzac Day is not even on the weekend. It's not even on a day when we want to play football games. So we're going out of our way to put games on Anzac Day. Mm. And the dumb thing about it is... On the occasions where Anzac Day falls on Tuesday or Wednesday, it's not just stupid that we're going out of our way to play games midweek like that, which makes it hard to get fans to the games and people viewing it, stuff like that, or even worse, because they, they're insistent on making sure that it's the Roosters, Dragons, and Melbourne Warriors playing that game. So it means that those four teams, their turnaround for the next week is fucked. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's not fair on anybody. So no. why why do this dumb shit? If it doesn't if it doesn't fall on the weekend or the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you've got four days of the week where you're playing games of footy. If it doesn't fall on that day, then don't do an Anzac Day game. If it falls on a Thursday, I'd say, you know what? Don't play on Thursday. Just put that extra game on Saturday or Sunday. Yeah. If it falls on a Saturday or Sunday, do something then for it. But get one game. You know, or if you want to make it the Roosters Dragons is your marquee game for Anzac Day, then fine. On the rare occasion that Anzac Day falls on the weekend, do the whole celebration for the Roosters Dragons game, and that's it. Not for all the others. You can have the, um, you know, bands come out and do that sort of stuff, and have a minute silence. That would be very very fitting. But don't go parading at the last post because that's, I don't know. Knowing that the game's just making money out of it. It's just mm, gross. Yeah. it it And it feels there's something wrong about it. And, you know, when, when you see people saying, oh, this is such a special day for rugby league, it's like, no, 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 no. It's a special no. day for Australia and New Zealand, you know. Yeah, it, um, it's it's not a rugby league day. No, no. So it should never be argued. It should never be considered as such. No, no, not at all. What they did, they they didn't go to war to say rugby league. <laughs> no, it's not a rugby league day. No, no, it, it's it's sick. It makes you wonder about like because we obviously don't play on on Christmas and stuff like that, and a lot of sports don't have any problems playing on Christmas. And personally, I I don't have any problems with the sport playing on Christmas because it's a 
a different sort of day. I know that it is a very special day for Christians, obviously, uh, and I'm not downplaying that whatsoever. And I guess you could say the same thing about, you know, Good Friday and, and, and you know, Easter Sunday and stuff like that. But it, they just, I, I think that there's more of a, there's more of a celebration element to those holidays. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we don't, Anzac Day is, you wouldn't call it a celebration. You'd call it a remembrance, you know? Yeah. Well, that's, that's what it is. I mean, we go back to what, what happened. I mean, Australian New Zealand soldiers were just sent to the fucking slaughter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, yeah, I just, there's something about it that just doesn't, it doesn't sit right with me, you know. And I, 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 say, I put it this way. Imagine if um, you're at a funeral and Peter Vlandis comes along and says, I've just made this football jumper with a, you know, in memory of, and then, you know, the person's, the person's just died, their face on there, on the front of the jumper. And said, right, now we're going to play a football game here. Here, you can have this jumper. You've got to make sure you give me 160 bucks for it, though. And let's play footy now for it on the grave. <laughs> you go, just, just fucking ease up, you know. All, How's all about pro- at this moment where we're thinking about people who passed away for us, let's just be grateful for that instead of going, let's try a way to make money out of it. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. But look, that, and they do it with everything, and I'm sure there'd be somebody, if they were honest, from any of the sporting bodies that do this sort of stuff, they'd say, listen, this is why we generate so much money, because we market on the back of absolutely everything. Um, you know, the AFL just did their version of Magic Round in, in Adelaide, and they were marketing the hell out of that. I think it's called Gather Round. I don't know um, what an AFL Gather Round looks like. All I know is that I, I wish I was... Uh, I wish I was selling cro- fucking crosses and petrol because that's all you sort of see out of the AFL is that sort of behaviour. But um, it, so they all try and market everything they can. They all try and pretend that they're all about, you know, making society better and all that. I, I personally, I, it's just old to me. It, it doesn't do it for me. I I don't need lectures from people that run football clubs about what would make society a better place. And so um, that's why a lot of it turns me off too. Well, how's about something that might turn you on? Oh, I'm ready. My body's ready. <laughs> why not in round 13? We celebrate World Masturbation Day and have masturbation round. Instead of, instead of gather round, we can have... Wank round. Wank round. Yeah. Plays on wank round. <laughs> well, the dolphins have got the dragons. Um, <laughs> I the bet they got the... that on porpoise. <laughs> the eels and cowboys, warriors mm. and broncos, south and Canberra, and Newcastle Manly. Nice. What would you call it? Would you call it wank round, fap round, um... circle jerk round? <laughs> Circle jerk round. <laughs> um, and it's on. It's what's the date? It's the twenty sixth, twenty eighth of May. Twenty eighth of May. Yeah, I think maybe we should celebrate that day for the podcast. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It's a, it's a given, and I don't yeah. think enough people know about masturbation day. And it's it's yeah, you know, it's healthy. It's we definitely good healthy. For, 
We're doing something good for society. Imagine some of the jumpers you could come out with. <laughs> yeah, it'd be great. Like, the West Tigers would come out one was probably got pizzas on it, <laughs> you know. Imagine the uproar. It's a masturbation mm. round. What have you got food on there for? Mm. Oh, we didn't put food on there. The army did that. <laughs> still blame the army for it. <laughs> Somebody got Holesworthy Barracks gave us bad advice. Exactly. <laughs> we specifically asked for wanking, and this is what they gave us. The West Tigers job would just have Pasco on the front of it. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of being a giant wanker, um, there were, I saw a thing... Uh, the other day where it said NRL club clubs are looking to censor Phil Gould for his comments that he makes is, you know, when he does all of his media stuff. I don't, I don't, I don't watch Channel 9 and I know he has like shows that he's on. I don't watch any of them, but no. uh, apparently he I mean, he says a lot of shit where you sort of take the piss out of it from time to time. And it was funny because I thought to myself, if it, be, if it got to a point where it was like, Phil, you've either got a, stop being part of the media and run the club or you've got to leave the club. He would leave the Bulldogs in a second. Oh, yeah, he loves talking. the media too much. Yeah, he loves it. He fucking loves it. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm starting to get the... some of his um, aura within the decision makers within the league. I don't think he's being listened to as much anymore. Yeah, I, th- I think that uh, a lot of it just gets old, you know. So, yeah, it, it, which is fine. You know, he's been around for a very long time, but I, I also think that there's probably an element that within the game that um, they sort of say, like, you, yeah, you were a coach in the nineties, huh? That was a long time ago. Mm. Um, and eighties. Yeah, and eighties. Yeah, yeah. But, like, his last premiership that he won as a coach was 91. That's, I mean, that's generations ago in rugby league time. That's right. I mean, even Tim Sheen's fluked one in that time since. <laughs> he fluked one. I'll tell you what, he had to fluke it with some bloody good players, didn't he? He did, but he didn't have the world's best team either. So it was a fluke. Yeah, um, yeah there's an article that came out during the week. Mm-hmm. Seabold was asked if Flanagan would be released early from his three-year deal as an assistant coach at Manly in order to take up a head coaching gig at another NRL club. And what did he say? He said, "Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't deny him an opportunity to take on that um, that that gig if if one came around to him." And it got me wondering. Mm-hmm. Who gets better PR from the mainstream media, Flanagan or Jack DeBellin? I would say it's Jack DeBellin for sure, 100%. We saw that article the other day from some journalists talking about, we were talking to Jack DeBellin and DeBellin's talking about how he'd like to break into the origin arena and stuff like that. And it's like, it's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy, the redemption stories. Yeah. Um, and, and there's no line. How about your cat in the background? Sound like a jaguar. Let's go. I'll throw a brick at it in a minute. 
<laughs> what type of cat is it again? It's a Bengal. A Bengal. Josh. It's fine. Like I've got no problems hearing your cat in the background. It's just funny that it started meowing. Oh, uh, the the door shut. It wants to go inside and eat the fridge or something. Okay. The, yeah. There's we we have, we do have we do have to have some elk in the living room just mm-hmm. in case it gets hungry. And I've yeah. had to shut the door because you know the elk numbers in the living room are getting pretty low. I need to let them build up some stock. <laughs> so the cat's just gonna have to take a fucking break for a few days. But just stop if, eating livestock and just eat some like, normal cat food just for a few days. You'll be fine. You know what's creepy is when your cat sits in the window and looks at birds. And yeah. they're just so locked in and it's like, oh, you're a, you're a little monster, are you? Yeah. The best thing to do then is just you get a get a pencil or something, sneak up to it and just gently tap it on the ass and it fucking jumps through the roof. <laughs> <laughs> Delay. <laughs> yeah. They go, like, oh, what's going on? They're so locked in. Um, I've got a laser pointer for for my cats, eh? And it's f- funny seeing them run around after the, la- the laser pointer. <laughs> this one would would not bother. Yeah, it just see and go. That's not enough. <laughs> <laughs> See, my my cats start running around after the laser pointer, but then my dog decides to to sort of get in on the act. And the problem is, she's so much bigger than the the cats and doesn't realise it. Just so it's just like a rhinoceros just starting <laughs> to play all of a sudden. It's like it doesn't really work. It's a squash match. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. Back to uh. Back to the article about the Bellin that came out. It was mm. well, it's, it's an annual thing now. There'll be one or two articles every year about the Bellin getting back into rep games and stuff like that. And just no, even even with his off field shit aside, he's been playing pretty average for a few years. He's not going to get yeah. picked. Up. He's not going to get called up. He just isn't. But I responded to the one that um, that was written the other day. I just said, look, this well is dry. Why don't you do something good for everybody and interview someone like our very own Alan Pierce, who we've had on twice, mm-hmm. and interview him about concussions, CTE, and help him get support for the research he needs to do in order to help with this whole situation. I've had more likes for that response. And as you can tell, I wasn't being nasty to him, like to the journey. I've had more likes for that response than what he's had for his article. And you look on the the comments, the ratio on there is just atrocious, man. He's got Huge. people just absolutely abusing him over the article. I've given him a solid lead. I'm doing him That's a favor. Brilliant. I'm trying to help him out. He won't he won't do it though. It just shows you how deluded these journalists are. They for some reason they still think that this is the way to go. The only place you can go to after writing a, an article about that clown is then you go and try and do a redemption story on Craig Field. Yeah, and they will. Yeah. They will. Maybe, a, you know, they might do a uh, a story on how Chris Dawson was a good bloke. Uh, I I just, nothing is, I'm just so far beyond being shocked by it. That's that gross. It, like, I understand weird. a redemption story is always pretty good, but you don't do it for people who are, you know, criminals or they've, they've been involved in some sort of off-field misdemeanor. Well, there's there's just better ones to be done. Like, yeah, well, they, at I, some point I, you cross a line. Like for me, a redemption story would be something like, you know, 
if Adam Dewey gets back from injury and somehow makes it into, say, the Australian side or something like that, that's a redemption yeah. story. I'll read yeah. that. I don't want to read about a bloke who got, you know, accused of rape while his pregnant wife was at home. Mm. I don't want that redemption story. All righty. Let's, uh, let's move on. That's not a hard edit, by the way. <laughs> I just got bored, whatever Lee Craig was talking about. <laughs> as, as, the old, as the old saying goes, I stop listening when I stop talking. <laughs> um, we're near the end of this one, but I've got a few a few stats for some of the games this weekend. Some okay. unique ones. Okay, keep me with them. Yep. This weekend we'll see the 200th game at a core stadium for the for the Rabbitohs. 200 for the Rab- wow, that's a big chunk of games when you think about it. Like you kind of feel as though it's not it's not been their permanent place, but I guess in, in terms of their overall history. It's, it's a lot of games. It is. Um, and Penrith's only loss at Stadium Australia in their last nine visits there was the 2020 Grand Final. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Um, Doesn't that 2020 Grand Final feel like a long time ago? It does. It really so does. So strange. Um, Parramatta have scored 415 points in their last 13 games against the Broncos, which is an average of 31.9 per game. Wow, that's interesting. Um there's been 90 tries scored in NRL Premiership games up in Darwin. That seems like a lot. Mm. Um, what else have we got on here? Cronulla have won nine of their last 11 games against the Bulldogs going back to 2015. Yeah, that makes sense. The Knights have had just two wins in Townsville in their last 13 visits there, which goes back to 2009. That makes sense as well. <laughs> um. The Dolphins v. the Titans will be the 301st All-Queensland Derby. Oh, that's very cool. That is a very cool one. I like that. Um, I may have said this one before. Mm-hmm. On game day, it will have been exactly one whole year since Luke Brooks last won an NRL game. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Manly scored at least 30 points in all of their last six games against the Tigers. Here's another that, one. Yeah. The Tigers have lost 54 of their last 72 games, and that's since the game returned from lockdown in round three, 2020. Ooh, that's, that's difficult, Eight, that one. 18 wins and 54 losses since lockdown ended. You can't blame the West Tigers board or, or the CEO for that. I mean, they're, they're just still cleaning up what the previous mob left them. Well, I mean, the five-year plan hadn't even started at that stage. Exactly. It wasn't even a new era. No, God, it was before the first new era began. That was even before Tim Sheens knew he was the best man to coach the club. Yeah. Um, this will be the two, the Roosters Dragons game will be the 250th game to be played on April 25. Not exactly Anzac Day because many of them were played before Anzac Day actually happened. Mm-hmm. Um, the Roosters have won 17 of the last 22 games against the Dragons, going back to round 23, 2011. Geez, that's pretty dominant performance. Um, and the Storm Warriors game will be just the 68th game ever played on a Tuesday and just the sixth since the midweek playoff for fifth between the Bulldogs and Magpies in 1991. Wow. Fifth place playoff. Yeah. So prior to those last six games, I think there was three or four games in a row mm-hmm. 
that were played on Tuesday were all playoffs for fifth. That's really cool. Can you imagine if we had something like that now in the NRL? The and like like I feel as though they would, if everything was a tiebreaker, they would get to a point where they toss a coin before they would play that game. Well, that's actually part of what the um, criteria is now to determine who is higher on the ladder. Oh, there you go. So they go by um, points difference, and if it's still tied, then it goes by um, best defensive record. If it's still tied, then it's number of tries scored. If it's still mm-hmm. tied, then tries conceded. If it's still tied, then it goes to a coin toss. Because I I just think of the absolute meltdown that would happen if we had to have a playoff between teams to see who made the eighth place. I used to do this thing for a few years mm-hmm. when we were about two or three weeks out from the uh, finals, mm-hmm. especially if it was a close competition. And I'd go through and put down the results of every single game mm-hmm. in order to try and make the biggest complete log jam. I remember this. You put it on Twitter, for didn't you? Place. Yeah, and I made sure that yeah. they were tied in every single statistic capability <laughs> so that we could have... 35 fucking coin tosses to determine who, who of those six teams are playing in the finals. I remember. It got, it, at one point, I won't lie, it got fucking weird, Andrew. <laughs> like, yeah, there's some scorelines like 76 to 53. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I was like, I'm making this shit work. I've got a point to prove. <laughs> that reminds me, I don't know if you remember this, but there was a, like, we've had a couple of weird scorelines because of field goals and stuff like that this mm. season. And isn't there one points total that a team hasn't got, and it's like 49 or something? Because we talked about this once. I don't think we recorded it, though. Oh, the, the lowest score that's never been scored, something like that? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, it was either, I, think... I feel like it was either 49 or it was something like, Kind of shocking, like twenty five or something like that. Um, no, sixty nine. Oh, sixty nine is the lowest one. Right, who would have, who would have thought? That's the lowest one is sixty nine. Yeah. Wow. Just yeah, all the others have been reached. I thought it was way lower than that. Uh, sixty nine, then seventy three. Then seventy five through to eighty six, and then eighty eight to ninety. I wonder. If, I wonder if we could ever see a team score a hundred points in the NRL. Um. Well, I mean, the Dragons unofficially did it in thirty five. Just that their tries were only worth three points, not four. Yeah. Let's not go down that pathway again. <laughs> yes. I don't want to do that again. Um, but yeah, it's... it's. I see there's been a lot of interest in Scorigami stuff again as well. And I wasn't the first to do the NRL Scorigami. I was the first to do um, my own variation of it, which was basically a heat map where you showed not just the fact... Because most of them... Okay, the NFL one, which is the one it was all based on, mm-hmm. it basically just ticked a box when that score had been achieved. Mm-hmm. And then it, that's all it's showing is whether scores happened or not. And a few others have come along which show, say, when the last time that score happened, I saw one like that. But mm-hmm. mine's the only one that actually shows the number of times that scoreline has happened. And so I was able to create a heat map to show 
you know, essentially where the most frequent score lines are happening. Yeah. As well as also showing which ones haven't happened yet. Um, but there seems to be a lot of interest around that all of a sudden now. Um, I don't know. <laughs> it's probably because of those weird score lines. We've had a couple of really weird ones. There has been some odd ones of late. Those, yeah. Yeah, especially when a team gets into the 40s and they've got an odd number. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, the one the one I always think about that you told me about, and I, I'm sure I will get it a little bit wrong, but it's something like if you if you get to 18 points first in a game, you win the vast majority of matches. Yeah, that's a, the magic score. Yeah. I come up with. Was it 18 or 19? 19. If you got to oh. 19, you would win. You, you were more than a 50% chance of winning the game. Yeah. And the high, the more points you scored after 19, the, the higher your chances of winning the game. Mm-hmm. So the way that worked was um, every score. So I looked at every score from zero all the way through to 91, obviously. Mm-hmm. And going in order, so from zero, then to one, then to two, then to three, kept going to see what the win percentage was for each score. Mm-hmm. And the magic score is determined as the point where that score and every score after it had a win percentage of 50% or higher. Yeah. So there were still scores that were under 19 that had a win percentage of over 50%, I think 16 and 17. Mm-hmm. But 18 was under. Mm-hmm. 19 was the first time that went over, and every score line after that had, you know, it was every score after that, 20 and whatnot onwards, all had a win percentage of 50% or more. So yeah. 19 was the mark. And that's – I also broke it down not just in – because a lot of people think, oh, you know, when you're doing it through the three-point try period and stuff like that, it's probably going to be a, you know, 19 is a bigger score than what it is in the four-point try, which is a fair argument. Mm-hmm. But even in the four-try era, that mark still stayed the same at 19. That's interesting, huh? Yeah. So 18 was um, le- there's a less than 50% chance of winning the game if you scored 18 points, regardless of the scoring system in place. Which is just fascinating. Yeah, and I, I think about that when I like when you see a team and they'll kick that field goal to make it a nineteen point lead. You know. And and I know we're not talking about leads, we're talking about like points. We're just talking about once you hit nineteen points on the board. Yeah. Um but I I, I still think about that, you know. It it's uh it's interesting that some of those stats are out there in rugby league where you know, they're the golden stats, basically. Yeah, I was actually amazed that no one had bothered to look into something like that. And I thought mm. maybe just no one was um, bored enough to do that. <laughs> I guess, you know, the thing I, I guess about it is, is that, like, from the game's point of view, it, it it's easy to say, well, if we score 19 points, we're going to win most of our games, but it's a lot harder to actually do it. You know what I mean? So the game isn't incentivized to do it itself. Yeah. That, that That's why it was such an interesting stat for me, that it was that, that line in the sand. That's right. And you, I mean, you even look in recent times, so this year, let's see what the record is for this year. It's still pretty solid, I think. Um, yeah, that's me clicking. I'm making this shit work. Don't you worry. <laughs> 57 times this this year already mm-hmm. where a team has scored 19 points or more. Mm-hmm. Um, 43 of those times has resulted in the team winning. Yeah. It's, it's strange it's that number, hey? 
That's it. That's the magic number. Mm. I got all the stats, people. (laughs) It's like you've got a database of them at your fingertips. I kind of do. I've I've built it for quite a while. It's been been a work in progress. It's there. Every time we start the podcast, I just open up that file. Just in case you need some stat, I just go click, 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 click. I've got it there. That's what that clicking is. You always hear it in an episode. It's me clicking away on that. Let's finish. Um, let's finish with a stat. Let me test you with a stat. All right. Okay. Where does Robbie Beckett rank in the Penrith Panthers try top try scorers of all time? I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess seventh. Robbie Beckett. Robbie Beckett. All right. You're, gonna, you're guessing seven. I'm going to guess seventh. Okay. He was there for quite a while. Not a bad effort. Okay. Uh, he's eighth. Ah, okay. Who was above him? Um, Can I guess? Can I, let me I guess. reckon you should guess. I reckon you should guess. Okay. Let me guess. Okay. Um, it's going to be difficult, actually. Reese Wesser. He's at number one with 113. It's not a shock. Um, Michael Jennings. He's at number seven with 71. Okay. Um, who else would be in there? Uh, Ryan Girdler. He's at number two with 112. He missed the, the top spot by one try. Wow. A bit of a weird one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Craig Gower? No, he's at 11, had 57 tries. Okay. I thought he might have sneaked in. He played for a long time, you know. He ended up with more tries than Michael Gordon and Nathan Cleary so far. It's weird when you think of Michael Gordon. as Like, he he played pretty well for the Panthers, hey? Yeah. Okay. Um, Luke Lewis, is he there? I'd be surprised. He is. He's number four with 89. Wow, that's a shock, actually. So Luke Lewis is in there. Um, They're missing number three, number five, and number six. Number three, number five, and number six. Uh, I feel like I'm going to feel like an idiot when I get when I, I say I can't think of the other ones. Is Greg Alexander there? He's number three with a hundred tries. Okay, hundred tries. That's pretty impressive, actually. Yeah. Um, five and six. Five and six. Luke Rooney? He's at number 10 with 65. Damn it. Um, See, I feel like a lot of the current players just haven't been around long enough, which is kind of weird. Yeah, the guys on the current side right now, they're they're not there. No, which is is insane. One is a winger who was at the Panthers not too long ago. Yeah. Um, before changing clubs. Oh, Sauce. Yeah, Josh Mansour. He's number yeah. five at 74. Wow, that's interesting. So now you've got number six. Number played in the 90s. Played in the, number six, played in the 90s. 73 tries from 209 games. 73 tries. You know what? And I know I'm wrong. Uh, I know I'm, I'm wrong. But I want to say Graham Mackay just so I can say Graham Mackay. Graham Mackay is equal 17th with Preston Campbell and Lachlan Coote on 43. Wow. Okay, he's a 90s player. Uh, yeah. Oh, 
it's not Steve Carter, is it? Steve Carter's number nine with 66. Ah, come on. <laughs> so close. Uh, I've named everyone around this dude. He's a player in the 1990s. I hate myself so badly. All right, go on. Tell me who it is. Brad Izzard. Ah, that's a surprise, actually. Look forward, Brad Izzard, scoring that many tries. Yeah. Um. Yeah, three three blokes though in the hundreds. It's not too bad, eh? It's pretty solid. Yeah. Pretty solid. Um. Randy Alexander, 100 tries for the Panthers. That's incredible. Where's um, where's Cleary at right now? Cleary's got 51 tries, so he's currently sitting at 13th. Okay. That's interesting. Because, I mean, Cleary, Cleary will get over 100 tries because he's going to touch wood. He'll have, he'll have more longevity um, just because modern players do. Yeah. Um, yeah, at this stage, only the players above him on the list who played less games than him, Michael Gordon had 108 games for 55 tries, Rooney, 65 tries from 141, and Jennings, 71 tries from 122 games. Wasn't Michael Jennings just amazing when he was at Penrith? Yes. So was, you know what, so was Michael Gordon. Michael Gordon, um... One of our best fullbacks yeah. ever. Michael Gordon, even when he went to Cronulla, was still very, very good. It was mm. after he left Cronulla, um, things started to go down a bit for him. Because I think he went to the – was it the Roosters for a year? He jumped around a bit from memory. He went to – was it Roosters and Parramatta before he went to the Titans? I can't remember that, hey. I just yeah, remember yeah. him stri- straight to the Titans after Sharks. Yeah, so he had – Three years at Cronulla, he yeah. barely missed a game there. Yeah. Um, and then he had one season at Parramatta. I don't think he missed a game there. One season at the Roosters, missed two games there, and then two seasons at the Titans. He's a very good player. Good goal yeah. kicker. Um, Ended up with 1,700 points in his career. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Like at, at Penrith, he was – and he was at – at Penrith when we weren't very good, but he was always one of those guys that was just reliable. And being a good goal kicker, you always knew if we scored a try, we were, you know, we were going to convert that the vast majority of the time. Yeah. Um, And I feel like he'd he'd be one of those sort of forgotten players that the Panthers have. And then you have Peter Jorgensen, who we're all trying to forget. The Jorg. (laughs) He was so slow. (laughs) He he's that uh, he had thirty four tries equal with Glenn West and Wanga Blake. Yeah, Wanga Blake was a far better player than Peter Jorgensen. <laughs> he was so slow, and, and we he was our fullback when we were bad. And, yeah. and I remember fans being like, "How the fuck is a fullback that slow?" But yeah. and to be fair, is Probably pretty old when he was playing for Penrith too. Yeah, well, he, from memory, he was a a centre in rugby union or I'm a winger. Sure. I'm not sure. Yeah, he did come from rugby union though. Yeah, 
Yeah. Um, if he wasn't a, a fullback in Reunion, so I don't know why they thought he'd be any good in the league. His son um, plays rugby union, and he's a is a you know one of the higher profile <laughs> higher profile Australian rugby union players for the New South Wales team, which doesn't mean much. Well, if you're listening, Peter, and I doubt you are, uh, twelve days time. Happy fiftieth birthday. He's only fifty. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> He played like he was about 38. <laughs> <laughs> but as I said, we got him towards the end of his career. Yeah, so. I'm surprised he never ended up with the Tigers. He's the Tigers <laughs> signing. Well, there's still time. <laughs> He's still young. <laughs> <laughs> He's not that much older than Luke Brooks. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> it's only a few years. Can you imagine if Luke Brooks... You, you look into a, a, a time machine. All you can do is look into it. You look into the time machine and it's like you see a, a, a shot and it's like Luke Brooks, play, first player to play 700 first grade games. How horrifying. <laughs> like he plays until he's 44 somehow. <laughs> and you're just like, that can't be good. You, you'll be playing until he's 38. It, it, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked if he yeah, played the game. He will rarely miss a game. He will be the first player to play 500 NRL games. I. What's he at now? 600. What's he at now? 196 from yeah. memory. I thought he might have been further along. I I always felt like Mitchell Pearce would have set the the mark for the most games played, but it, it went downhill pretty quickly for Mitchell Pearce, unfortunately. Yeah, we've got a few injuries and stuff which threw him around, but yeah, yeah. Brooks is at one ninety six, so he's going to hit four uh, two hundred pretty soon. Yeah, and then it's just another basically another four seasons, and he's at three hundred. Yeah, eight seasons, twelve. Can we get twelve years out of him? In twelve years' time, he'll be forty. Twelve so if, years. So if he goes twelve years, he'll hit five hundred games. Five hundred. Wow. Lock it in. <laughs> How much do you reckon he'll be on at the end of that contract? <laughs> he'll be on like 19 million a week. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, brief Super League chat. Okay. St. Helens, not in the top eight after nine rounds. Oh, that's interesting. Did they lose against a really big club last week? Uh, when we're talking big, what's the metric? Um... Is about? it a club that is, I don't know, I mean, oh, like a, got a, their own little town. Is it the biggest club in that town that they're in? Yeah, Hull KR. Okay. Yeah. 26 to 14, they lost that one. Wow. The week before, they lost to Wigan, 14 to 6. Well, Wigan's a big club. Yeah. They lost. They beat uh, Wakefield 38 nil. Mind you, Wakefield's sitting at the bottom of the ladder. Haven't Wakefield chosen a really bad time to fall apart? Yeah, it's, it's never good. No. It's never good. They're having um, a big meeting uh, sometime this week to look at the proposals that IMG has put forward. Yeah, for... one of them was something to do with marquee players. I haven't had a huge look into it. No, we, we might do, do a bit of that digging around and, and bring that out in the next episode. I know that they – I think – I'm pretty sure I saw something where they basically said that they were going to – 
bring in a point system similar to what the NRL had when they were trying to rationalise teams after the Super League ARL merger. Mm-hmm. And um, it weighted teams that were that were in cities, basically, was one of the things. And, of course, nobody liked that because <laughs> none of the teams are in fucking cities, except for Leeds. I'm willing to say Leeds is a city, even if it's a shit one. But um, it, so they're apparently all going to have a meeting and, and we'll see what comes out of that. Um, I wonder if they would get to a point, though, where IMG says, yeah, look, that's fine, we'll leave. Um. No, I think OMG are confident that they can turn this ship around. Because that's the thing. Somehow, despite everything that's going on here, they've been able to keep... Like, this competition has been able to keep going along. Mm. Somehow constantly fighting and surviving. Mm. And with that knowledge and that that uh, ability, I guess, to stay alive, they'd look at that and go the potential there to turn that into something that can make genuine money is, you know, it's there's a huge potential there. We just got to figure out how to get through all of the um, bullshit mm. that's been weighing it down, that the, club, the game continues to hang on to that's historical. <clears throat> like as we've gone through ad nauseum before, promotion and relegation, that sort of thing, yeah. and just go, you know what? Let's just build ourselves an elite competition at the very top. Expand it, make it bigger, as in the number of teams in it. But don't expand the competition to the point where we're having, you know, 35 fucking rounds and then another nine rounds of finals and all sorts Mm -hmm. of other garbage. Mm -hmm. Let's just keep it concise. Let's try and match it up so it's similar to the NRL as far as season length is concerned. Um, those, Those would be smart points to go from. And if you've got only the teams that are financially stable and secure playing in the elite league, that's your that's a huge concern out of the way. You're not trying to panic about trying to keep clubs afloat. Mm-hmm. So then you can start on things like, you know, having the league itself, doing what it does in the NRL, providing the money for the players' salaries. Yeah. And yeah. then you're making the clubs more secure. And then once you've got that set up, you can start doing the same thing for the lower divisions. And the next thing you know, you're able to make your main division even a bit bigger, a bit stronger, and you're making their lower grades even stronger still. And now you're drawing people in who want to stay there or they want to come to the game because they know they can play the game. Not only do they get job and pay security, but they actually get paid really well for it, and it's com- it'd be competitive with what the NRL's paying, which is yeah. what the English game had back in the 80s and 90s. You know? Yeah, yeah, and and the thing is, too, that... Like, they need to have a, a strategic plan in place for the clubs that are there right now. Like, I mean, we, we had a brief chat about Wakefield, but, like, I, I remember a long time ago saying that Wakefield and Castleford should get together and build a stadium that is, you know, if you have to put it on the border of both areas, do it. So you've got one facility, they they both use it, you Harvin costs and all that sort of stuff and I was told a thousand reasons why it wouldn't work and man I if you had that in place right now both those teams would be fine because financially they'd be in a good place instead you've got 
you know, Castleford, who who does all right, but, you know, they're not exactly a high-flying team. And Wakefield, who just goes between, you know, they have an influx of juniors because they do produce juniors, Wakefield. That's one of the things about them. But in between having those influx of juniors, they just seem to almost die or die. And that's not good enough. And, you know, we, we need to have all of the teams in a strong place where, you know, you've even got whole KR playing out of a, a good stadium. You've got Hull FC are financially stable again and, and not worried that they're about to get kicked out of their stadium and things like that. You know, that's where they've got to get to with the current teams. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's good that they're looking at, you know, the size of the cities that they're based in as mm-hmm. one of the determining factors because they should. Yeah, they have to. Uh, yeah, I mean, as we've mentioned many times before, if, if you want to build this thing and actually have some sort of um, dominance in markets, you've got to go to a big market, not to a flea market. Yes, exactly. I was actually thinking about the NRL the other day. I was tweeting about it, and, you know, yeah, the TV ratings are doing very well compared to every other Australian sport, and the, the income's very good. The crowds are very good this year in the NRL. I think that the... The close competition has really brought a lot of, and that and getting out of COVID completely is, is really been good for crowds. And I was thinking about all the other sports in Australia, and it's like no other sport in Australia has the expansion opportunities that the NRL has, where they can look at two cities in Perth and Adelaide of a million plus people and go there and find a new market at the elite level. I mean, they can go to New Zealand you know, and find a couple of new markets there. They could bring in Papua New Guinea, which is, it's a different sort of market, but it's it's more of a sponsorship market because a lot of the mining companies are, want to get on board with a team that would be coming out of PNG. And they've just got all of these opportunities from a position of strength already. It's a really fantastic place to be in for the NRL. And it also weirdly made me think of, and I, I don't want to go down the same road, but it'd be nice to have an expansion club in the MacArthur region because <laughs> we kind of need to cover that region. And the fact that, that we've got an NRL club that's supposed to be covering that region, who's promoting their current game is we're going back to Campbelltown. It's fucking outrageous. <laughs> it really, really is. Um one day, mate, one day. We'll get a team out there one day. Don't you what worry. What would you call it, MacArthur team? Um, what would be a good name for the MacArthur team? The Bulls I'd are s- taken because they've got the MacArthur Bulls Soccer Club, which I think is a really good name, by the way. You know what would be a good name for, for a successful club out there? Mm-hmm. Balmain Tigers. <laughs> <laughs> what about the Western Suburbs Magpies? Mate, they're currently in the NRL. They're sitting <laughs> at the bottom of the ladder. What about, uh, what would be something, what about the Campbelltown Sizzlers? <laughs> <laughs> oh, the, uh, I don't know, the Campbelltown Commodores. <laughs> I'm not talking about the birds either. Nah, nah. <laughs> the, yeah, Camp- the Campbelltown Camp- Camaras. Camira, I haven't heard that name for a very long time. There you go. Downgraded just a little. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> I wonder how many chimeras are around now. Not many, I would suggest. No, there wouldn't be many around. My um my grandmother had one for a long time. Yeah. And she um she decided to just use it for, you know, feeding feeding hay to the cattle. <laughs> Open the boot up. She had the hatchback version. Just put the bales of hay in the back there. Just drive around. <laughs> Is, isn't it weird that cars used to smell like leather and cigarettes and oil? <laughs> That's right. That's all I smelled of. And it was all one thing. And that was a, a beautiful smell. <laughs> oh, dear. Back when they had just raw. We just pumped raw lead into them as fuel. Yeah, we wondered why everyone was going crazy. And we are pumping all that fucking lead into the atmosphere. That yeah. was remember when it was acid rain that was going to kill us. That's right, yeah. Acid rain for a long time. Oh, the acid rain, it's coming. And that was a load of shit as well. Yeah, remember they used to do talks about how it was impacting the um the Sphinx over in Egypt. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't the 7,000 years it's been sitting there. It was the fucking acid rain that doesn't happen in Egypt. Yeah, that had just turned up in the last few years. Yeah. Acid rain. I actually, they've got an advert for Maccas on during the football and they're talking about how they're environmental now, which is really nice for one of the biggest land land holders on planet Earth. And uh, I was thinking about how many of the styrofoam containers you see lying around from when they used to use them. You don't see them, do you? No, they're not around too much. Nah, because they fucking just degrade like everything else. (laughs) Either that or the dolphins ate them all. (laughs) <laughs> fucking dumb dolphins <laughs> how smart can they be they can't even have a fucking iPhone <laughs> they ate all of the polystyrene and then they all got fished out by Japanese fishermen and became filet fish yeah it's, a, it's, just, it's just full cycle yeah, that's all it is full the circle. circle of life that's it <laughs> it's, it's, I love it when people say oh there's an unnatural product it's like where the fuck did this shit come from because it was on earth right Everything on Earth is natural. Yeah. If it's not natural, what is it? Exactly. The only thing that's here that shouldn't be here are self-centered. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not walking into that trap. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear, dear. I just want to – we had a listener uh, message on – his name, oh man, my stupid Twitter. His name is Left Curly, Right Curly. He's a Canberra fan. And he said, he, he messaged me and said, You guys seem to hate the Raiders with an unnerving, toxic passion, but I followed and subscribed to the hate anyway. And I, I just want to say, I don't think you hate the Raiders, do you? No, no, I've got, no, no. I, I've, I don't really genuinely hate any teams. I just like to stir every time there's a chance. But I know Freaky hates everyone other than Penrith. No, I'm I'm here for that. I'm fine <laughs> with that. Um, I hate everyone other than Penrith. I, I find it hard to justify hating every other team <laughs> when the most hateful team to watch at the moment is one I actually support. Yeah, that's a rough one. It is a rough one. So, you know, I, I don't hate other teams. I hated the Raiders for a brief period in the early 80s when I was a little kid because, you know, they beat us in the grand final with what was soon going to be an illegal team. It wasn't legal at the time. Mm-hmm. There was no salary cap in 89 that was being enforced. Yes. But, um, and even if there was, I wouldn't be surprised if the Tigers in 89 also were over, 
weren't over the salary cap because I don't know, man. If you ever look at the two lineups that 1989 grand final, I don't think there's been a more star-studded game played in the NRL. Yeah, they were stacked. They were both stacked. It was ridiculous. Yeah. Um, Mate, I tell you what, that Dragons and the Broncos, those years, they were two stacked teams as well. Well, hang on, let me give it here. Let's have a look. So the Raiders had, this is um, either former, current, or future test players in their team, okay, in mm-hmm. the 89 grand final. Gary Belcher, Mal Meninga, Laurie Daly, John Ferguson, Ricky Stewart, Glenn Lazarus, Steve Otters, Brent Todd, uh, I think Gary Coyne, Bradley Clyde, Kevin Walters was on the bench. So that's most of their side. And Tigers had... Gary Jack. James Grant played for Australian Rugby Union. I don't know if that counts. No. Andy Courier, Tim Brasher, uh, Gary Freeman, Steve Roach, Ben Elias, Bruce Maguire, Paul Seren and Wayne Pearce, and Sean Edwards. <laughs> Gary Freeman. For me, he's the best halfback that New Zealand's ever produced, and it's not even a debate. Hmm. It's not even a debate. Interesting. You look at what he achieved. Oh, yeah, his achievements are insane. It's crazy. I'm just saying, look at what he achieved as a halfback. That's all. It was Ken Ken Sterling from the the sixties. wasn't wasn't too bad a player. The thing about Gary Jack, oh Gary Jack, Gary Freeman, Gary Freeman. Sorry. Thing about Gary Freeman is that uh, he, like, he was one of the elite halfbacks for a fair while in the NR, in in what we'll call the NRL. Um, played a lot of Test footy, but in that in that Tigers team, like, he was a key player. Ended yeah. up going to ended up going to Penrith. I think he played for the Roosters for a little bit as well. He did. I think Parramatta too. Was he at Parramatta right towards the end? I think he was, yeah. Yeah. And it, he was like he was one of the he was one of the halfbacks, you know. Um and, and I just think that that gets lost in a lot of the marketing stuff. Yeah, he was kind of pushed out of the Balmain side by um that fucking genius Alan Jones because he got his rugby union convert, Brian Smith, to come over and play as well, and play for the Tigers instead. And that went well, because Freeman went on to continue playing finals football for other teams while the yeah. Tigers continued to do nothing and yeah. never appeared in the finals ever again as a Balmain side. Thanks, Alan. <laughs> so Gary Freeman at a, a lunch once. Um, I might have been the one that I went to see where Bomb appeared was at. And and uh, Artie Beetson, and he was awesome. Like his oh, his stories were amazing. He's a funny bastard too. He really is. It, it was oh. just the cheeky halfback he always was. Yeah, uh, tough. Didn't mind a bit of niggle either. Um, and he's kind of when it comes to the niggle thing, more of the Tommy Radonica style of niggle where he he'd start it and he'd cop it. Uh, if if he was going to get decked, he'd be standing toe to toe and he'd get decked. Mm. He wasn't afraid of getting decked. Wasn't like the um, 
Oh, I don't mean this in a bad way. Tommy Bishop had a bit of a habit of starting a fight. He'd throw a punch or two, but then he'd run behind his mate Cliff Watson. <laughs> and Cliff's a pretty safe person to hide behind because, I mean, yeah. he'll just destroy anything that gets near him. <laughs> That's not a bad play, but, I mean, you know, Tommy and uh, Tommy and Wiz, they would just go out and, and just they just face the music. Think about Gary Freeman too. Is like it was part of his his game. Just didn't it didn't stop. Yeah. He just kept talking. It didn't stop. Yeah. And on top of that, he was like he was great organizer. He had a very good kicking, very good short kicking game too. Um, just such a, a, a and just someone if he was in your team, you didn't have to worry about your halfback. That's right. Very solid player and um, avoided injury for most of his career too. Very good mm. player. Mm-hmm. Good call out too. Doesn't get the the love he deserves. No, he doesn't. That's it's interesting. And there's our next episode. We're going to do some player comparisons, and it's not about the best players versus. It's going to be current players and lining them up against players that we have seen play out ourselves. Yeah. Um, but it's not like who's better or who would win or anything. It's just a chance to talk about the the players from, you know, current rugby league versus ones we've seen in the past and get a chance to talk about it. Cause I know you and me both love doing that sort of stuff. So Absolutely. I thought well, let's do a whole episode of it. And the, I haven't picked the best players here and there. I've picked players that I thought would be cool to talk about. Nice. I'm keen. Yeah. I'm keen. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, I suppose we should wrap this one up then. Um, yeah. Make sure you check us out on the socials, everybody. You know where they all are. Um, and we will catch us all in the next episode. <laughs>